Now that I'm here, welcome to the main event breakdown brought to you by the Mayo Media Network. Um, a lot of great content on here. Please like, subscribe, comment below. Tell me what you think uh, of the breakdown of maybe last week's breakdown, whatever. Um, you know, you got the Dog and Pass podcast. You got Brett Apley doing his thing with the DraftKings. There's a lot of different opinions that you guys can get a lot of different content off the network. So definitely check everybody out uh, for all sports, not just MMA. Um, you know, let's go back. Let's rewind a little bit. Let's go to the, the last week's main event. I told you guys that, you know, everybody was using this whole thing that, you know, Izzy can't wrestle and he can't, you know, he's not going to be able to stop the takedown. And Jan had this blueprint. And I told you guys that you're taking a fight where he bumped up to the light heavyweight division against a guy who walks around at 240 where Izzy weighed in three pounds under the limit for, for, for his fight, for this fight at middleweight. So what makes you think that him coming back down to where he's supposed to be, where his comfortable weight is, that Vittori, the much smaller fighter, uh, when it comes to weight comparison to Jan, and that he's going to be able to do that same thing. He's Just because there's a blueprint out on how to beat him with a guy who's stronger than him, more physical than him, has better, much better Brazilian jiu-jitsu than him, doesn't mean that the guy at his said weight class, at his rightful weight class, where he's the best, is going to be able to do the same thing. Uh, I also you know, knew that Vittori was going to emotionally break. He was going to kind of just leave his game plan go into that foxhole and fight Izzy's game. That's exactly what he did. I didn't expect Izzy to run rough shot the way he did the entire fight, um, but I knew that's the way it was going to go down. Um, as far as people saying that he's a boring fighter, I think that's completely asinine and ludicrous. Um, I saw people on Twitter saying that he, you know, all he does is throw leg kicks. Congratulations, you won on leg kicks and stuff like that, and you didn't want to fight. Fact of the matter is, is do me a favor. If you really want to take punishment, then you're never going to be – how many great, great, great fighters? It's about longevity. At the end of the day, you know, being a great fighter is about longevity. Do you want a great career? Do you want to entertain the fans? And do you want to be, you know, that fighter? Of course you do. But you also want a life after sport because these guys aren't working until they're 60 and then they retire and they have a pension plan. Their shelf lives are very, very small, you know. And if you're lucky enough to have some kind of longevity – um, majority of the time, it's because you did not take damage. Guys like Floyd Mayweather still has 40-something years old, still have his, has his wits, has his motor neurons, can still box, can still talk, can still conduct business. Go hang out with Mayweather and have a full-blown conversation with him, and then go hang out with someone like Darren Elkins and have a full-blown conversation with, with him. And you tell me which guy you would rather be. Okay, defensive fighting is just as much as, as an art as offensive fighting. They both tie together. They both work in concert with each other. So if you just want an offensive fighter, go watch bare knuckle fighting. You know, this guy has 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 mastered the art of defensive fighting as well, for the most part. Not not in all aspects, but he does not want to take punishment. There's nothing cool about taking punishment. Zero. If you look at some of the greatest fighters in the world, like I said, they just never took punishment. So if you ask any fighter in the UFC, Bellator, PFL, any organization, if you if if they can be granted the opportunity to be a great defensive fighter, there's not one fighter that would turn that down. Nobody wants to take damage. So to say he's a boring fighter is ludicrous. Defensive fighting is a part of fighting. Um, PFL, uh, let's talk about that. I mean, let's, let's perfect examples. PFL, like, you know, uh, Rory McDonald lost that fight. Um, I don't believe he lost the fight. I believe he won the fight. But Rory McDonald was not a minus 1,000 favorite. Uh, that was not a minus 1,000 favorite fighter that you were watching. Um, he, you know, if you look at all the punishment he's taken in his career, you know, the Robbie Lawler fights and stuff like that, I wouldn't do, I wouldn't lay minus 1,000 on Rory anywhere. And I love Rory McDonald. 
But if you look at PFL, like people, you know, are saying, oh, my God, I can't believe how many dogs came out like last night. I'm not surprised. Plus 400s came out, plus 600s come out. I'm not surprised at all. Because here's the problem with PFL and betting PFL all the time and every week and on a consistent basis. You know, the landscape is completely different. When you have UFC fighters that or Bellator fighters, these guys are under contract. Okay, so these lower-grade fighters, if they're making $10,000, $15,000, you've got to remember the money that goes out. they got to pay their trainers. they got nutrition. they got taxes to pay. These guys aren't making a lot of money. But now if you have an opportunity off that contract to go to PFL and win a million dollars, every minute, every second, every round of your fights mean that million dollars is at stake to make the playoffs, to do this, to do that. You're going to see different fighters. You're going to see dogs come out in these fighters a little bit differently. There's, there's there's their livelihood on their line. There's their family on their line. There's their, kind of their life on the line in some, with some of these guys. You know, because if you look at some of the guys that are in the PFL, they're cut from other organizations. It's almost like their last around, their one chance, you know, hit that big jackpot. You're going to see different um, animals come out in these fighters. It's almost like a do or die situation for some of these guys. So, you know, betting PFL every week is not a is not a stable thing. You know, so I'm not, am I shocked by the decision? Ah, well, Rory won the fight. Rory won the fight. But am I shocked that plus 400s and plus 600s are coming out uh, on these cards? No, I'm not at all. I'm not at all because you're getting a different, you're getting a different mindset of a fighter when that much money is on the line and that that much is at stake. So just keep that in mind when, when, when you look at stuff like that. Uh, this fight, really good card. Like I said, disclaimer, I would not go deep into this card. I would not bury a heavy bankroll. Main event is great. It's aligned and priced nicely. Um, that I'm going to tell you what you can actually do with that. Um, so when you look at uh, the Korean Zombie, I feel like they're they're having that narrative again about him, almost like they did with Santiago Ponzinibbio. You know, you know, I think he might be washed. He's been in a lot of wars. This, that. You know what? That's all very possible. But the fact of the matter is, is he's got to show that to you before you are convinced of that. I said that about Ponzinibbio. The same thing. So many people thought he was washed because he came back and he got starched in one fight. Um, you know, and then he comes back and he shows he's not washed. It happens all the time. So you got to get that out of your mind frame that a really good fighter at one time maybe loses to another guy or he's on a little, you know, losing streak. It's about the matchups. It's about where they are in their life at that certain time. It's about maybe they are washed or maybe they're just, they're, they're mentally not there. They haven't been there. The family problems, they're human just like us. You got to remember that. And these guys are fucking robots. Um, so when you look at this and you look at, the Korean Zombie and Ige, the way they match up, Ige's kind of priming out a little bit. Like, this is a guy who, to me, has over-excelled. I always knew he was a good fighter. I liked him a lot. I know Julio Arce, and I know how good Julio Arce is. When I saw him and Julio Arce fight, I knew this kid was going to be really good. Um, you know, he's he's good everywhere. The only thing with him, he's a little undersized for the division. Uh, he doesn't pack a ton of power. Very accurate. He's, he looks powerful. He's got snap in his shot, but he's not overall this big power puncher that's going to just put guys on skates all the time. His volume will do that. You know, anybody's volume will do that. He hits hard enough where if you hit two enough of shots, you're going to be put on skates. Um, the problem what I see where he's had his most problems in his career is if you understand how to fight long. If you understand how to fight long, um, Ige tends to have some problems. Um, Korean Zombie on the flip side, this is a guy that will walk through fire to get to you. So it's not like this guy is really going to use a ton of range, especially if you clip him, you hurt him, you cut him. He's going to start walking you down. That's where he gets the name Korean Zombie from. He's extremely durable. He's extremely hard to finish. 
Um, you know, he's not going to throw the volume that Ige is going to throw. Ige is going to throw a lot more volume. That's, he kind of throws his, his punches and punches. What Prinzavi does that's kind of dangerous but but effective for him is he kind of lets that left hand drop. He leaves his left hand drop. He kind of wiggles it. He keeps it loose. He throws it out as a jab. And then he comes over with a nice um, a shovel punch. It's almost like an uppercut, upper, uh, uppercut shovel punch. It's very effective. A lot of guys don't see it coming. Um, and that's kind of what he utilizes. Um, he's a guy that will knock you out, understands how to, you know, taste blood in the water and, and kind of go after it. Uh, he will look to clip you and then take you down. Ige is a very high pedigree uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, practitioner. Uh, but, the, you know, uh, he is extremely well-versed on the ground as well. Um, the, the size comparison from what I've seen isn't that much bigger, but he does fight longer. Zombie does fight longer. There are guys that just don't know how to use their range to its full capacity. You know, Stefan Struve was one of them. This is a guy who had all the attributes of range uh, and space and distance, and he just had no idea. There were some fights he knew, and then some fights it was almost like he was using half his range. Uh, so just because you have the attributes doesn't mean you know how to use them. Zombie knows how to use all of his length. Um, and that's where I think Ige can run into a problem. Where I think Ige can start taking over in this fight and Zombie can have a problem is the volume. Uh, both of these guys are very durable. I'm not expecting one of these guys to get knocked out quick. Uh, so even if Zombie is landing on him early, I expect Ige to be landing the more volume. So it's basically going to be if the judges are going to look at who's landing the more damaging strikes, which I think... Zombie will land the more damaging strikes, or who's going to be landing the more voluminous strikes, which is going to be Ige for me. Um, it's a really, really tough, tough fight to call. I think it's priced exactly the way uh, it should be priced. So the way I would play this, if you look at Zombie on DraftKings, he's got 100-plus points five of ten times. The current market value is six of ten. Um, there is value there. He's going to go five rounds. If, this, if he wins the fight, he's 1,000% going to cover his value in a five-round fight. Uh, Ige, you look at him, 3 of 10, 5 of 10. There's value on him, too, because the same rule applies. If he wins this fight, it's going to be on volume, and it's going to be a five-round fight where he should 1,000% cover that value. So both of these guys have the opportunity to cover value. So what I would do here is the lineups that you are playing, uh, you don't have to be all over the place. You guys can have a, a couple base, um, a couple really good base lineups that you really do like, minus these two fights. And then what you're going to do is you're going to kind of interchange them. You got to make sure you have that $200 gap where you can do it, but you're going to kind of interchange them. So then those lineups that you really like, if you do make it to the top of the heap, you're kind of sitting back and it doesn't matter who wins at that point because you've got the same exact lineup with just the two different guys in the main event. I'm going to have a slighter lean on, on uh, Zombie because I do think the upside for him to finish the fight is better. Uh, but this is a completely live, live fight. I mean, uh, any of these guys can win. I'm going Korean Zombie. I don't think he's washed personal, personally. Uh, I just think that he's fought the better fighters. He's been in these spots a little bit more. Uh, and he's. He, I don't know if Ige has that power to really stop him from just completely hunting him and walking him down. Uh, and if it does go to the decision, that's going to be something that the judges do look at. Who was stalking who in this fight? Uh, so I'm going Zombie. Very slightly lean towards him. Um, but from a DraftKings perspective, I absolutely would do what I said. From a betting perspective, I'm kind of staying away from this. I mean, like I said, this is a hit or miss fight. Um, you don't have to have juice on it to have juice on it. But if I were to bet the fight, I obviously would lead towards Zombie because I believe now he is in the plus money. So I hope you enjoy the fights. I'll talk to you soon.